Hello everybody and welcome to another episode of Slasher Supreme. I am your host, Christopher. Man, have I picked out a good one for this weekend. After the horrible shit heap of a film that I watched last week, Lords of Chaos, I decided to watch a good movie. And that movie is from 2011 and was loved by casual and hardcore horror fans alike. And that kind of pulled a scream on us, if you know what I mean. I'll probably get to that a little bit later. Anyways, I'm talking about The Cabin in the Woods. I'm really excited to talk about it, so let's get into the review, shall we? Cabin in the Woods from 2011 was directed by Drew Goodard. The film stars Kristen Connolly as Dana, Chris Hemsworth as Kurt, Anna Hutchinson as Jules, Fran Kranz as Marty, Jesse Williams as Holden, Richard Jenkins as Sitterson, and Bradley Whitford as Hadley. The plot of the film is that five college kids go to a cabin in the woods, of course, for a weekend getaway. The kids unknowingly are selected by a government agency to be ritually sacrificed to appease elder gods who, if are awoken, will destroy the world. Yeah, sounds pretty interesting, right? Yeah, it really is. So, I'm going to go through the positives and negatives like I have been doing. Positives first. The one thing I love about this movie is, which I mentioned in the intro, is it pulls a scream on us. Yeah, it makes fun of the cliches in horror films, but also shows love towards them as well. Um, there's an overarching thing pretty much a big th- overarching thing I want to talk about and it is the government agency itself now we get pretty much the look inside of this place thanks to Sitterson and Hadley who work at this organization now basically their job is to put on a show for the elder gods who must be you know, like I said they have to be appeased otherwise they're going to destroy the world and it is basically they're putting on a show for them which happens to be the movie we're watching in itself it's very meta in that sense of the college kids themselves follow the archetypes we have pretty much as the film puts it we have the whore we have the athlete the intellect the fool which is our stoner kind of you know great and then the virgin which can be sacrificed but doesn't have to be sacrificed which is of course where the last girl in horror films comes from sometimes she makes it sometimes she doesn't so that's following a certain archetype a story archetype to appease these gods, which is very interesting in itself, which kind of sets in the mo, you know, makes you think about all the horror movies we you have ever seen, and you can almost say it's a part of the Cabin in the Woods universe, and because they follow a certain, you know, story structure, which is what these two um, have to put on, you know, they have to get the story to go for the Elder Gods, which is another thing too that they bring up is that they can rig the story to a certain degree, but everything has to be done. Most of the stuff has to be done by the character's own free will. So, if you think about any horror movie, such as The Wrong Turn or The Hills of Eyes, they always have the creepy gas station attendant that's like, you shouldn't go up into them hills, it's only death up there. Basically, that happens in this film, 
and you find out that that guy is actually working with the agency. He lets the characters and then the film know, hey, it's bad news to go that way. But the way he acts, the characters themselves pretty much say, hey, fuck you, we're going to go anyway. So they make that, they're alerted to the danger, but they have their own free will and they continue on regard, you know, they continue. So they went to death on their own free will in a very kind of fucked up and crazy way which is how the organization you know works they have to rig the game to a certain degree but they don't initially interfere in it which is something very interesting and very meta with the film is it pretty much takes all the stereotype you know cliches and kind of tropes of the film and gives them gives like a reason to them and it's very interesting um another one is I'm watching tons of horror films myself, and I know some people. We always wonder why our characters are so stupid in certain instincts. An example in this film, later on, they are barricaded inside this house, and they're like, we need to sit here and stay together, not split up and, you know, defend ourselves. Well, Hadley and Citizen think to themselves, well, shit, we can't put on a show anymore because they're working together. So what they do is they release a gas into the cabin itself, unknowingly to our participants, being the college kids, which then makes them do stupid things. As soon as the gas hits, they start to inhale it unknowingly, and then they think, maybe we should just split up. Maybe we should unbarricade the doors on them come in, because we can fight them off. So it's just interesting in that aspect, because that's why they make dumb decisions, is just because the gas gets released. You ever wonder why a character, you know, has a weapon in their hand, and they're able to beat one of the monsters? And then they, after the monster is supposedly dead, they throw it on the ground. Well, in this film, it explains that those weapons have shock charges in them. And one of our characters happens to have a knife and is stabbing a creature. They believe the creature is dead and they're going to hold on to the knife for later. Well, Citizen flicks a switch and it kind of has like a little taser device and it shocks our character and they throw it. So it makes sense as to why that happens and why our, you know, characters in other horror films throw knives. It's just there's a little device in there that'll shock them. Um, you ever wonder why characters just randomly decide to have sex in the middle of a forest? A pheromones released to make them horny. Yeah, this film explains every little detail. Um, another thing that's very meta about this film is that the elder gods in the film are, you know, they want a movie and if it's not fit to their criteria they they will wake up and destroy the earth in this film and it is almost basically making fun of us as the audience if you really want to break it down I mean people have but we you know it has to be at least five victims we have to at least see you know the gods have to at least see nudity they have to see blood it has to go in a certain order, which, if you think about it, is very meta because it talks about us as the audience. When we watch a horror movie and there's not a high body count, we hate it. If there's not blood, we hate it. If there's not enough nudity in it, we hate it. So it's making fun of us, the audience itself, is if we happen to see a horror movie that doesn't fit our criteria, we get pissed and then we talk shit about it. <laughs> you know, like me. Anyway, but yeah, so the talk, it makes fun of us along with the cliches of the horror movie and of the, you know, the horror movie itself and horror movies in general, it makes fun of both, which I find, which I really love. And even though it kind of gets in your face with it a little bit, it's, it's still welcomed. Now, another positive I have with the film is Citizen and Hardly are amazing. Um, they treat, they treat this job that they have 
like it's another boring day at the office that they fucking hate. Uh, the movie opens up with them inside the facility, and they're, and Hadley is talking about how his wife has barricaded all their cabinets because they're having a baby. And he, they're just having, like, this, they're just bullshitting before they go in to pretty much put a movie on and watch people die for the Elder Gods. You know, it's, it's just hilarious. It's just like office humor. So it's very funny in that aspect. Also, later on, um, when our the college kids are at the cabin, um, when something happens and it opens up an area where all the college kids go into. Well, in this room has a bunch of different artifacts, which if one is selected will bring a creature into their, you know, area. Well, we see from our college kids' point of view, and then from Sitterson and Hadley's point of view, and the college kids' point of view is very creepy and disturbing. In Sitterson and Hadley's, they are having a little office party where every all the staff in that little like in the organization are in the control room with Hadley and Sitterson, and they're taking bets on which creature the college kids is going to end up bringing into their um, area. And it's just hilarious because they have this giant ass whiteboard, and if you pause it, you'll see a bunch of just horror movie references. And they have, I mean, it's hilarious if you pause it. I mean, I did. Uh, they got like the angry molesting tree, which of course is a reference to Evil Dead from the very first one. They have like sexy witches. Um, sugar plum fairies. Uh, there was like a merman, which for some fucking reason Hadley wants out of all, all, all the creatures that could kill somebody, he wants the fucking merman to kill people. Uh, there's of course a pinhead kind of spoof called Hell Lord. So there's it's really interesting, if, especially if you love horror movies, you get to see that. But yeah, the comedy between Citizen and Hadley is just amazing because. We go from the college kids who are freaked out and terrified to Citizen and Hadley who are, like, annoyed. And, but at the same time, do have somewhat remorse because they do feel bad that they're actually having to kill real people. But it, in the sense, it's for the greater good. And actually, it kind of subverts expectations because you want the college kids to make it out of the situation alive. But in reality, they're the villains, in a sense. Because if they don't die, the world is over. So really, our main characters and our main heroes are Citizen and Hadley. And very interesting because the first time watching it, you hate both of them because you think they're horrible, awful people, but they're doing a necessary evil to save the greater good. That's very interesting looking at it in that aspect. I like movies that kind of play with your mind on that situation of who's really good and who's really evil. Granted, both parties are evil, but in the situation of let one person live or, you know, let one person live and let millions die, which that one person will die anyways or kill a few people and the world survives, you know. Neither party is right, but neither party, you know, neither party is wrong, but neither party is right in the same situation, you could say, depending on how you view it, which, again, I like. Uh, I'm trying to think. The gore in this film uh, well, uh, as well is quite good, although some of it is CG, especially in the third act, when I don't really want to talk about, because if you have not seen the third act of this film, my God, being a horror fan, you will just have this shit-eating grin on your face as just pretty much, let's just say, Hell's Unleashed. But yes, the, it is kind of CG eye blood, so it looks fake. <laughs> it looks really fake. Granted, I know it's not real blood, but still, you know, when it's not CG, but still, it's just, it looks awful in certain aspects. The CGI has not aged well from 2011 up till now, which is just weird when, yet again, you, I'm not going to bitch about CGI, but Jurassic Park 
from like the 90s. That CGI looks way better than anything's come out recently. I'm just gonna stop there with that though and not continue on with talking about technology and horror and films. <clears throat> but, but, I'm gonna go to the negatives with this film. Since there are some, like I said, with the whole meta humor and things like that and trying to be um, this really uh, interesting horror film, it does kind of. I want to not put it bluntly, but it throws it in your face a little bit and tries to, you know, pretty much say it's the king of the castle in the sense of, hey, look how cool and artsy we are with subverting, you know, shoving the qualities of horror movies in your face and making fun of them in the sense, kind of like Scream did, but not as, and it's not as well done as Scream, I'll have to say, in that situation, um, or Scream Death, I feel like, did a little better when they made fun of the cliches of horror films. Uh, Cabin in the Woods doesn't really seem to do that to an extent. It's, it's what happens when you get Josh Whedon as a writer. Yeah, Josh Whedon wrote this film along with one other person. Um, so the negatives are the film, are really the college kids. I know in the sense of it, of the, you know, the story, they're supposed to be just movie characters that Steve and Hadley watch. What, you know whatever in that aspect but still we're stuck with them for quite a bit of the film and i'd like a little bit more character growth with them i mean and again they're fitting certain archetypes such as like the jock the whore the intellect the fool and then the virgin but at the same time it kind of leads into my other negative the fucking fool the stoner kid marty is just annoying he's the typical over-exaggerated stoner slash conspiracy theorist. You know, he's talking about how there's puppet masters and things like that, which, yeah, I get it. He's supposed to be playing pretty much a stereotyped character in the context of this film for what it is, but he's just so fucking annoying, and I hate him in this film. There's something about him. I don't know if it's just his rants or the fact that he... It's, like, almost a parody of stone people, you know, of being high. He just, like, overplays it. I don't know. When you have... <laughs> he has a bong that's a coffee cup that he can hyperextend and he uses it as a sword on, like almost in a scene and it's like what? it's just things like that that are very irritating about his character another one that we don't really get much character growth of is Holden who in the very first act they talk about how nice and swell of a guy he is but he doesn't really do much and the only kind of character development we get of him is he wears glasses at one point, he doesn't wear glasses, and then when he's reading, he puts glasses on. That's 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 all we get, and apparently he's the intellect because he wears glasses. Granted, he could almost be swapped with the Chris Hemsworth character because they both seem very jockish, but for some reason, I mean, I get why, but they make Kurt, Chris Hemsworth's character, kind of the alpha male who, yet again, once affected by the hormones, he pretty much tries to bro everybody out so yeah the 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 jock athlete type gets more than the intellect type and we don't really get jack shit with the intellect type even when he's like the almost the only one on screen still we don't get jack shit character development the only one out of the, all the uh, out of the college kids that we get development with besides marty is dana and that's because she's a virgin character also kind of the last girl who we still don't know much about we <sighs> Besides, 
she kind of has a thumb up her ass sometimes because she's a tight ass who doesn't like to have fun and apparently pusses out of a lot of stuff. That's all we get. That's about it for character development for any of these characters, and especially and then Jules, who's apparently this, the whore of the group. We find out that apparently she dyed her hair blonde and she, cause she used to be, I think, a Burnett. I think they mentioned in the film once, but yeah. And they're all stuck on how she has blonde hair. And that's about it. So I guess it's very nitpickish in the context of the story about how these are supposed to be archetypes, yet again, for a film put on by Hardly and Citizen. But still, we're stuck with these characters for a good chunk of the film. I'd like there to be a little bit more than just blandness. Whatever for me, I, you know. I get it. Some people just watch it just for that, but I liked a little bit of growth. Uh... That's really all I have for positives and negatives of this film. I mean, I really love this film in the sense... Um, when I first seen it, I kind of hated it. But I didn't really... At that time, I was really younger. I didn't really understand what the, what the hell was going on and all the context and everything like that around it. Being older, kind of get all the stuff with it. And if you are a huge fan of horror like I am, you will definitely love and appreciate this film for what it does. Even though it does kind of want to slap you in the face about with how obvious it is. It's not very subtle at times. Um that's really the negative I can think for those of you who aren't a huge fan of horror films you're not going to take away a lot from it you'll just think this is a, a horror movie with a kind of a cool concept you don't you won't understand all the references in this film which it actually has a lot um, it makes a joke about the facility from the 90s if you haven't watched that with Elijah Wood about aliens taking over a high school it makes it there's um, a bunch of easter eggs in this film it references Ringu, uh, The Thing, King Kong, um, there's a part when it, it's a really cool part in the third act, I don't want to give anything away, but you see characters like the twins from The Shining, um, there's actually a video game easter egg, um, the boomer from Left 4 Dead, which in reality, another little fun fact, I guess, uh, this is actually supposed to be a Left 4 Dead video game, uh, video game film, for those of you who don't know or haven't played the games, uh, Left 4 Dead was a game made by Valve, the company who made Half-Life and Portal and Team Fortress 2. Anyways, so it, made, it has made a bunch of video games. This was apparently supposed to be a video game movie based on one of their properties, Left 4 Dead, which is a zombie survival shooter. One of the characters actually makes it into this after, I guess, something happened and the film idea got scrapped and then turned into the cabin in the woods. But it's, it's cool seeing that Easter egg in there. Um, another one is, of course, the... not kind of like spoofs of characters like I said there is one that is basically pinhead but it's called the hell lord who doesn't have pins in his face he has fucking buzz like saw blades and just like slammed into his head it's fucking horrifying uh, there is a sugar plum fairy which kind of resembles it's kind of like a spin off the Guillermo del Toro uh, tooth fairies from Hellboy to the Golden Army it just as fucking terrifying you could say there's actually a reaver from uh Serenity or Firefly if you've watched that show because yet again Josh Whedon did write this film so that kind of snuck in there as well so yes if you love horror movies you will love the references and you'll love the kind of the meta humor that this film has yet again if you're not a fan of horror you will not really you'll, you won't take as much away from this film so that's all I have to say in regards to it I personally love this film and I think everyone should see it but that is coming from me, a diehard horror fan who has spent countless days and countless hours watching just fucking anything horror-related. 
So, it gets a good 10 out of 10 for me in that regard. Well, yeah, I'll say 10 out of 10. I'll, I'll push aside the kind of non-subtle, I'm better because I'm more artsy-fartsy with my horror than you kind of aspect this film goes for. But anyways, thank you guys so much for listening, and let's go to the outro and finish the show out. I'll see you guys there. Thank you guys so much for listening to another episode of Slasher Supreme. Please like, share, favorite, subscribe, thumbs up, or whatever you have to do to let me know you're out there listening. If there's a certain video game or movie you'd like me to review, please leave me a voice message here on Anchor, a message on the Facebook or Instagram page. If you do not follow me on Facebook or Instagram, just look up Slasher Supreme Podcast and you will find me. Stay up to date with everything going on the show, even though I kind of suck at posting to both. Anyways, <clears throat> no... Fun facts again this week. I am sorry, guys. I know I was thinking about doing something uh, from the 70s, but this kind of popped up. So I've been wanting to talk about this movie for a while, so it kind of worked out. I will be doing a movie from the 70s, however, for my birthday weekend, which is two weeks away. And I got something, I think, planned for the show as well. I don't know yet. Uh, next weekend, I will probably be be doing maybe Jacob's Ladder. I'm not entirely sure yet. I've been talking to some people and they think that's a good movie for me to talk about so maybe Jacob's Ladder I'm not entirely sure yet anyways thank you guys for listening stay safe and I will see you all next weekend on another episode of Slasher Supreme <laughs>